A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source in Pro Power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Yay! This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. The part of Honda and rock and roll. Hey! 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 The spill you run down has been broken by Chris Jericho. All right, the remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride. Way in honor of Daryl McDaniels, DMC of Run DMC, the pioneers, the guys who put together the legendary, groundbreaking, trailblazing duet with Aerosmith and Run DMC back in 1986. They did walk this way and created a whole new genre of rock and roll, rap and rock and roll, combining, meeting for the first time ever. I tracked down DMC at the St. Louis Comic Convention. I sat down with him in person. And we had a great conversation. We talked all about Run DMC, how they got started, how they resurrected Aerosmith's career with Walk This Way, the Adidas tracksuits, MTV, comic books, and the role that the comic books played in DMC's lyrics. Not kidding. Wait till you hear all about this. Plus, we talk about the loss, the mysterious death of Jam Master Jay. And, of course, we hit on Daryl's new comic book. Yeah, he's publishing his own comic book series called DMC. And the first issue drops October 29th. But before we get rolling today, I need to say thanks to all of you 
for doing your Amazon shopping through my links at podcastone.com. It's the easiest way to support this show. Amazon is a proud sponsor of Talk is Jericho. Every time you shop at Amazon through one of my links, Amazon gives a small percentage of your purchase back to the show to help us cover production costs. I've got links for Amazon USA, Amazon UK, Amazon Canada A. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcasts free banner at the top of the page. Eh? Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. You can get a whole bunch of cool stuff at Amazon. Anything you want, okay? You can get my new book, The Best in the World at What? I Have No Idea. It just came out yesterday. You can get Scott Ian's new book, uh, I'm the Man, the story of that guy from Anthrax, which is a great title. A friend of mine, Scott and I's books, came out on the same day. If you like heavy metal, go check out his, uh, his book. He also knows a lot about combining rock and roll and rap music uh, go buy dmc's comic book dmc go buy the new Fozzie record do you want to start a war theory of a dead man savages their new record we just finished a tremendous tour with them so many things you can buy go get whatever you want through amazon through my link remember it won't cost you anything extra no hidden fees no extra charges if you happen to be doing some shopping on amazon you can help out my show go to podcastone.com click on the keep our podcasts free banner at the top of the page eh? then hit the talk is jericho button you can also bookmark it so you can get to those links in one easy click all right, I mentioned that uh, The Best in the World at What? I Have No Idea is out now. It was number one on the Amazon pre-order charts. Thanks to all of you who ordered it. Thanks to all of you who bought it. Uh, apparently, uh, some bookstore aficionados are saying that the book is selling like hotcakes and they think it's going to make it on the New York Times bestseller list for sure. Hopefully, it does if you like a good yarn Definitely want to go check it out. Uh, it's got so many great stories from my tours to Iraq, getting stranded in an unsecured war zone that may or may not have still been occupied by Taliban. Uh, true story. My whole the whole story between uh, uh, the uh, Y2J Shawn Michaels feud in 2008, one of the greatest feuds of all time, and the greatest feud of my career. Uh, stories about the resurrection of Fozzie, uh, traveling on a bus with Anthrax while uh, talking about the Metallica bus crash in 1986, while Fozzie was in a real bu- a bus crash at the same time. Um, first meetings with Metallica, uh, hanging out with Ozzy, uh, getting knocked up by Mike Tyson. Uh, trying to start an angle with Mickey Rourke and him uh, hiring three bodyguards to kick my ass as a result. Lauren Michaels stories, Bob Barker, uh, Dennis Miller, Shaquille O'Neal, all of these uh, interesting people making cameos. Plus from the time when I hosted the Golden Gods Awards, Joe Perry calling me a douche, Zach Wilde calling me a douche. Uh, so many great stories. Um in Best in the World at What, I have no idea. Rey Mysterio, one of my favorite angles. CM Punk, another great angle. So if you like the first two books, Lion's Tale and Undisputed, go check out uh, The Best in the World at What, I have no idea. If you want to come get your stuff signed, you can see me tonight at Ridgewood, New Jersey at Bookends. Uh, tomorrow, October 16th, Staten Island, Barnes & Noble in New York. October 17th, Lake Forest Park in the state of Washington. That's in the Seattle area, third place books. October 18th, Fort Lewis and Fort McCord. That's the Seattle, Washington area for our fine military peeps. October 21st in Dallas, Texas at Barnes & Noble Lincoln Park. October 23rd, Brandon, Florida at Books A Million. October 25th in Tampa, Florida at Barnes & Noble in Carrollwood. Plus, I am coming back to the WWE for one week. Yes, it is a true story. 
Uh, Vince McMahon himself asked me to come back to help bolster up the uh, UK tour. That's November 10th in Bournemouth, November 11th in Liverpool, November 12th, Newcastle, 13th is Glasgow, 14th is Braunschweig, Germany, and 15th is Frankfurt. So uh, if you're going to be at any of those shows overseas, we'll see you there. And then... The Cinderblock Party begins on November 20th in Flint, Michigan with Fozzie, Texas Hippie Coalition, and Shaman's Harvest. If you want to go check out those shows, all dates and ticket information is at FozzieRock.com. All right, today we're talking to Daryl McDaniels, and he is a true blue member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Run DMC was inducted a few years ago, and... um. I wanted to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Last week, they released uh, and announced their nominees. Always causes such a huge, huge brouhaha. Um, this band should be in. That band should be in. This band is not in. That band is not in. I know my good friend Eddie Trunk just loses his mind uh, every year whenever the uh, uh, announcements are made. And this is not even the nomin. Uh, the, this is not even the, the guys that are going in the Hall of Fame. This is just the nominations. So, you know, it's it's uh, Lou Reed who is already in with the Velvet Underground, but that's the nominee. Bill Withers, Ain't No Sunshine, Lean On Me, just the two of us. I mean, you know, pretty cool soul singer. Kraftwerk, kind of one of the first, uh, you know, synthesizer, synth-pop bands. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, everybody knows them. NWA, one of the first uh, kind of gangsta rap uh, bands. Uh, Green Day was inducted, uh, was uh, nominated. Nine Inch Nails. Sting was nominated. The Smiths were uh, were put up there. The Paul Butterfield Blues Band, the Spinners, the Marvelettes, Chic, who's been nominated like twenty five times. War, same thing. Stevie Ray Vaughan definitely should be in there. Um, so out of those nominees, they'll pick five or six to be inducted. But I mean, all those bands are deserving in, in different ways. Some you might think should be in, some you might not think should be in. But the thing I hate the most is the fact that Deep Purple has still not been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That drives me absolutely bananas. To me, it's like Randy Savage not being in the WWE Hall of Fame. It almost it it cheapens what the the Hall of Fame stands for to not have a guy like Randy Savage in or not have Deep Purple in. You know, and there's a lot of bands that should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that aren't. Yes is a huge omission. Cheap Trick, Thin Lizzy, Ted Nugent, uh, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Scorpions. I mean, these bands, Journey, are, are still arena acts to this day. But to me, the three biggest glaring omissions of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that weren't in over the past until the past few years were Rush, Kiss, and Deep Purple. Now, Rush went in with some resistance from the Hall, uh, even to the point where the Foo Fighters inducted them and wanted to wear uh, the kimonos that Rush used to wear in the 70s. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame said no. Rush stepped in. Getty Lee and the boys said no. They're going to wear those kimonos or we're not performing. This is our night now. Then Kiss goes in with the least amount of effort on the Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame's part. Um, only inducting the original four, not letting anybody play if it wasn't the original four, not letting an all-star band play. Um, just stupid, stupid stuff. And I was there, I say it time and time again, watching the E Street Band get inducted into a Hall of Fame. And I got nothing against E Street Band. I love Bruce Springsteen. But there's literally 18 guys. There was a guy who was in the band for like 
three months. You know, I played on the first record in 1974, and let me tell you what I've been doing since. Literally, this guy was talking forever, and you got Bruce Kulick, talk his Jericho alumni, sitting in the crowd who played for 14 years with Kiss on over 10 million albums sold, wrote songs, wrote solos, and all the videos, did all the tours. He's not allowed in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, Joe John Van Dumpelschmidt from the uh, first lineup of the E Street Band gets in there. Total fallacy. And then now... At least Deep Purple was nominated the last few years. Not even nominated. Like, so ridiculously stupid. Deep Purple, been around since the late 60s. If you're looking at the bands that created heavy metal, you got Zeppelin, Sabbath, and Purple. Okay? And on top of that, Deep Purple wrote the song that every kid who ever picked up a guitar played first, Smoke on the Water. Do you know the song? If you're a musician, you do. It, it, maybe you don't. It goes like this. Bow, 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 wow, 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 How that band is not in the Hall of Fame, I don't know what the inner politics are. You know, I asked uh, Lars Ulrich about it. He's a big Deep Purple fan, and he was thinking, well, you know, maybe the the, the rock uh, element was taken up by Nine Inch Nails and Green Day by the 20 people that vote. You know, nobody's happy that Purple's not in. Lars doesn't like it. Danny Trunk doesn't like it. I don't like it. Rich Ward doesn't like it. Point is, it's the cognoscenti, the powers that be, that just won't put them in there. There should be no vote. Deep Purple's a no-brainer. And same with all those other bands that I mentioned. Listen, I love Green Day. They should probably be in the Hall of Fame. But before Deep Purple, give me a break. Before Cheap Trick, Green Day's like a total Cheap Trick uh, homage band. You know, a Nine Inch Nails, I get it. But, I mean, come on, man. There's so many bands that have just been left in the in the dust by uh by the rock and roll hall of fame and it's it's all part of the snobbery of of jan wenner who runs rolling stone magazine and all of the guys that kind of are on that uh committee there's just some real rock and roll snobbery and i thought maybe when metallica was inducted years ago that that would open the door to maybe like one metal band a year you know and there's plenty of them that deserve to be in there yeah i listed them off earlier and it just drives me crazy that they're not in there and even more so, like I said, the most glaring omission, no Deep Purple, and never even mind Maiden and Priest and all those bands. And, you know, Cheap, cheap Trick drives me crazy. Journey, I mean, come on. Bon Jovi. I mean, I'm not the biggest Bon Jovi fan, but they're on the side of, of, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame people, I thought. Still playing, you know, uh, stadiums all the time, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, my thing is this. Until Deep Purple gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I can't take it seriously. And I don't care if LL Cool J is in or Madonna is in or Flava Flav is in. I mean, Flava Flav is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Richie Blackmore is not. Richie Blackmore wrote Smoke on the Water and a thousand other great riffs. And Flava Flav said, yeah, boy. So, I mean, come on. You know, like nothing against Flav. It's a legendary status. It's, it's, it's the cornerstone of what I do here on Talk is Jericho. But, I mean, dude, put Deep Purple in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and... Please, WWE, put Randy Macho Man Savage in the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, I know there's some politics there. Apparently, Savage uh, won't go in or didn't want to go in without his brother, Lanny Poffo, and his dad, Angelo Poffo. My point is this. Put him in there then. Does it really matter? 
I mean, I know the Von Erichs went in together, and you had guys like David Von Erich and Chris Von Erich and you know Mike Von Erich. They they hardly worked. I mean, David Von Erich worked, but never in the WWE. Never even came close to the WWE. He passed away long before that. So I mean, if you're gonna induct families, then just put freaking the Poffo family in there. Get Randy Savage into the WWE Hall of Fame. That's all I'm asking because until Purple and Savage are inducted into their respective halls of fame, I can't go for that. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh, no can do. I just can't take it seriously. So that's my uh, soapbox speech, if you will. And I'm going to step off the soapbox now. Before we get to DMC, I want to ask you, what you guys think of Walking Dead? How brutal was that opening scene? And I know people give me crap sometimes for uh, spoilers on Talk is Jericho, so I won't lay any spoilers on you. I won't tell you what happened in the first scene, even though you should watch it. You should have watched it already. But it is a brutal scene. It's got nothing to do with zombies. Anybody who sees it knows what I'm talking about. And that show just gets more and more violent, but more and more uh, dramatic. And you just, so much intensity. And, and I just love, love, love Walking Dead. Have not seen American Horror Story Freaks yet. Freak Show. I heard the first episode was Amazeballs. I can't wait to check that one out as well. Sons of Anarchy coming to a head. And here's my prediction for Sons of Anarchy. In the last episode, Gemma will kill Jax. Yeah, you heard what I said. Gemma will kill her son. I just think she's so evil. She's a total uh, manipulator, and she pulls all the strings and is working everybody against everybody else. And if you had to ask me how it's going to end, people will probably think, well, Jax is going gonna, is gonna to blow away his mom. Uh-uh. I think Jenna is going to kill Jax. I have no inside information. I know nothing. I'm just saying it, and I think uh, that's my prediction. That's what's going to happen along with the fact that I think Glenn is going to die on Walking Dead this season at some point. Those are my predictions. That's what I got. If you didn't listen to the Chris Hardwick episode uh, last week, go back and check it out. The Kevin Smith episodes are great. John Morrison, Asa Akira. So many great episodes here on Talk is Jericho with so many good ones to come, including my guest today, DMC, Daryl McDaniels of Run DMC. Everyone knows Run DMC. Everybody. If you've listened to a song in your life, you know who Run DMC is. Wait to hear the story about how they created basically rap music as we know it. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Talk is Jericho. All right, with me right now here in my uh, hotel room in St. Louis after St. Louis Comic Con, I got DMC Daryl McDaniel from Run DMC, one of the uh, pioneers, if not the pioneer uh, of rap music, and so many other amazing things that you've done. Looking through, kind of g- refreshing myself on your career. Uh-huh. I mean, Run DMC was probably pi- uh, responsible for pioneering a dozen different things that are that are normal now <laughs> no, you know what no. i mean from from you know the, the heavy rap uh, rock connection uh-huh. to you know revitalizing aerosmith to be having an endorsement deal to be in the first rap band on rolling stone and uh-huh. MTV, it was MTV, so much mtv right so much stuff and actually we're here at the comic convention you actually now are, are putting out a comic book yeah uh, like a graphic novel called yeah. dmc where you are now a superhero man yes because it's funny as you said that a couple of years ago, Rolling Stone magazine did a thing where they was asking people, what do you like about Run DMC? Right. And people said, you know, was it their style or was it music? And Chris Rock said, you know, Run and Jay was cool, but DMC was like my superhero. <laughs> the way he looked and the way he sounded and his delivery so that's one of the reasons I have enough confidence to do a comic book. Because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in all genres say, man, growing up, you always like a superhero. Yeah, yeah. So well, it fits. You know, and, and, and this, um, so this is, how did you get the, the idea? Did you put this together? Uh, with, is this with Marvel or who is this with? Well, What's no, it? no, no, no. I'm doing it. I'm self-publishing. Self-publishing. Got it. Yeah, originally I was going to take it to Marvel and mm-hmm. DC, but the people, my friends who coaxed me to do it, it yeah. was like, D. When you and Aerosmith got together, what happened? Something good came out of that. <laughs> Two cultures came together right, and was positive. Kid Rock says, yo, Run DMC and Aerosmith had a baby. I popped out. <laughs> then he asked me. Then he said, um, like you said earlier, he said, yo, what happened when Run DMC got with Adidas? Something good. It was the first non-athletic that's right. to get an endorsement. And, and, you know, that's why a lot of these apparel companies could branch outside of their normal stuff. Yeah. So he said, D. You was a kid who loved comics. Before Mm. comic books, I went to Catholic school my whole life. I was a straight-A student. I was the so-called nerd. But the geeks rule. Let's don't get it twisted. (laughs) Geeks have taken over the earth now. So what happened when Marvel Comics was really big to me growing up. And Mm. the cool thing about Marvel was it was New York City. Mm. You know, they showed They didn't have fantasy cities. That's right. New York. Peter Parker was from Queens. Yeah, They would man. show the skyscrapers of New York City, the Brooklyn Bridge, 59th Stan Lee is a New Yorker. Exactly. Right. So that was my whole childhood. Mm-hmm. And then what happened, me and my brother, we had this big collection of comic books, Hulk, Spider-Man, Iron Man. But this thing called hip-hop comes over the bridge from the Bronx. I wasn't a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. I was a school kid. Mm-hmm. So me and my brother had to figure out how we going to get money to get turntables and a mixer and some records. No, please, no. 
yeah, we got to sell some comic books. So I, I sold my comic books and picked up the microphone. And look what happened with that. And look what happened But this is exciting because now you brought it back full circle. I mean, I'm looking yes. at the art for this. You said this is kind of like the uh, the EP for it. Yeah. It's, it's great art. Now, do you, did you write the story for this? Yeah, we come up with all the storylines. And then we get real writers. We have writers that have worked with Marvel Comics, DC. All the writers and artists as part of this book is authentic players in the comic book world Mm -hmm. because i don't want to disrespect the culture yeah i want to celebrate the culture right i want to trip give a tribute to the culture Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and if you listen to all my early music i was a kid i stayed in my house i watched a lot of wwe bruno sammartino was one of my heroes andre the giant so growing up for me it was comic books it was bruce lee Uh uh-huh it was school and this thing called hip-hop comes over the bridge. Now, I didn't want to get up in front of a lot of people to rhyme. When Run Joseph Simmons, Russell Simmons' younger brother, was mm. DJ Run, mm. Russell was going to give him a record deal. He didn't want to be by himself. So he knew this kid, DMC, got a great imagination. He's a smart kid, plus he writes a lot of rhymes. So he looked at me and said, D, when Russell lets me make a record, I'm putting you in my group. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, what, I'm... 17, 16, yeah. 17 years old, it goes in one ear out the other. But when I graduated from high school, the phone rings. It's Joseph Simmons. Yo, Daryl, grab your round books. We're going to the studio. So when we went to the studio, where did my confidence come from? Mm-hmm. I thought, man, okay, I'm hearing this beat. What would the Hulk do? Crash through walls, come through floors, bust through ceilings, and then knock down doors. Superheroes was the amazing Spider-Man. The Invincible Iron, Incredible Hulk. So I became the devastating my controller DMC. And can't nobody mess around with me. I'm the king of rock, rap, and of rhyme. So that whole childhood wow. make-believe world became a reality for me. That's interesting, man. Because it's mm-hmm. funny because it's amazing the, the combination between music and comic books and even wrestling in there too because yes. I know as a kid, I loved wrestling because of the superhero element of it. They were your heroes. I loved Kiss for that reason too. Kiss were real life superheroes. That's like, you know, they're, they're wearing costumes and makeup. You know, and, and yeah, I mean, so many people in the music business as for the people who don't like Kiss, yeah. so many musicians sure. Famous, successful, incredible talent. Say, man, when I saw Kiss, yeah, that's what gave me this. Right, and even going other than just to rock and roll, like if you're going in the early '80s with David Lee Roth. I mean, that guy mm-hmm. was a larger than life persona, another right. superhero. Yeah, so, they so, were superheroes. Right, and that's, yeah, the that's, musicians are superheroes. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's funny that that you kind of had that vibe. Now you were mentioning, right. I mean. When when you first heard this from from Joseph Simmons about yeah. the, you mentioned that hip hop came from over the bridge, right? So it started in the Bronx. Hip hop hip hop did exist to a certain extent at that point in time, like Grandmaster yeah. Flash and and right. Sugar Hill Gang and that sort of thing. Before records, yeah, they used to do. What we used to do was I'd be like, Yo, Chris, go home and get your mother's receiver high fine turntable. <laughs> I'll go home and get my mother's receiver. Eric, your biscuit, go get. So we would take all the amps and the receivers because we needed power. Mm-hmm. We would take the two turntables and then it was disco. Disco, hip hop was a, a hybrid of disco. Mm. Play the records and everybody come and dance. But we used to build our own sound systems. So we couldn't get into Studio 54. We couldn't get into Zanza Bar. Hip-hop, when, when people started saying disco is dead, when disco was dying, 
hip-hop was emerging. If you listen to all the rappers' delight, good times, yeah. we rapped over a lot of disco records because disco records had long breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but what happened was we would take our sound systems to the park, bust the light poles open, and we would DJ and we would... It wasn't rap. It wasn't even hip-hop yet. We would just... Use the break beats, and we would say our raps about how good we were. My DJ's better than your DJ. I'm the best MC in the world. But then eventually, once it got off, somebody, Sugar Hill Records, basically said, wow, we could put this on records. And that Rapper's Delight was the beginning of it. But Rapper's Delight wasn't really authentic, because mm-hmm. once Rapper's Delight happened, we started realizing we could talk about what we really do. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. and you got to understand something. We didn't just sample the rock and roll that we stole. Mm-hmm. We looked at what Bob Dylan did. Wow. He really made some socially relevant statements. We looked at what Fogarty did. We looked at what the John Lennon and all the Neil Young, they would address the issues, the Vietnam right, War. Yeah, sure. Marvin Gaye, civil rights, uh, the well, economy. John Lennon too, yeah. 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 So we realized, wow, we don't just, you don't just be a musician. You be a voice for your people, mm-hmm. and that's when it, that's when Run DMC came along. Our first record was "It's Like That and That's the Way It Is," mm-hmm. and we talked about mm-hmm. the world. But "It's Like That and That's the Way It Is" came after the message, right? You know, yeah, the yeah, message yeah. was broken glass everywhere. Like, don't push me. I mean, that record yeah, yeah. was young people, but it was like rock and roll. It spoke for your father who was working nine to five and struggling, and that's where the whole essence of it came from. So when it came over the bridge. It was almost like when you would put on your cape and pretend to be Superman, Mm -hmm. we would take pencils and pens, write rhymes, and pretend we was Grandmaster Flash and Africa Bambana, (laughs) because those were our idols on record. So after me sitting in my basement from eighth grade to the end of ninth grade, stacks and stacks of rhyme books, Run said, there's something in this kid that I could use. Hmm. So that's why he was confident enough to call me. And remember, we got, what I'm trying to say is my whole MC, DMC fantasy was just pretend. Mm. You're playing a character. Ca- right. Yeah. But then it Run really made me go do this thing that I was pretending <laughs> to be. So, so how were you able to kind of, I mean, first of all, then how did Jam Master J get involved? Because you started mm-hmm. as a duo. Right. We made a record. We made a single. Uh-huh. We made the first single. Russell Run's brother took it to every record company in New York. Because you got to understand something. Rapper's Delight was hugely popular. Uh, the, to the mainstream, too? Rapper's Delight? Or yeah, just yeah, the, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, it so was, it was yeah. a legitimate hit. Right. Okay. Rapper's Delight was a hit. Okay. It was, it was p- p- grown-ups started to know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though they said hip-hop's a fad and won't be here, it was the new, this hip-hop thing was the new disco. Right. Disco gotcha. was dying. You know, people, disco was great. Donna Summer, the f- four tops, to, to even the Rolling Stones did miss oh, you. Everybody kissed. Trying to, yeah, everybody was Kinks, trying to everybody get, had, oh, oh, yeah. um, They even said Queen was Queen, doing disco. Number one, boom, boom, yeah. boom. Another one bites us. We yeah. used to freestyle over that. So everybody was doing disco, but then it just got to the point where disco sucked. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It got oversaturated like every other type of musical genre. Exactly. Happened to rock and roll, happened exactly. rap. Yeah, yeah. Becomes, and, yeah. That, and that's what we're, that was happening with hip hop. And then, um, you know, when Russell went out there, the message had already been a huge success. Planet Rock was a huge success. Rappers of Light was a huge success. So Russell takes our music to every record label in New York City turned us down. Why? There's no music on it. 
Because our music, it's like that with just drums. It was just a beat and a rap. And, and the rapping. And you know what? Sucker MCs was just the beat and the rap. For, but even it's like that was doom, that doom, that doom, doom, that doom, with a blend. That, it yeah, just yeah, had yeah. a blend. Yeah. <laughs> so all the major labels, Curtis Blow, by the way, Curtis Blow, Christmas rapping, and these are the breaks. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. Curtis Blow was the first rapper ever to be signed to a major label. Hmm. So Russell goes to his label. No, there's no music. He went to every major label in New York City. They turned us down. He went to a little label called Profile Records. Corey Robbins, Steve Plotnicki, they borrowed money from their parents to start the label. Russell goes in and plays our music, and because it was different, mm -hmm. they said, what do we got to lose? This it's, you know, And you got to be... Bold enough to take it. Well, absolutely, it's the same thing that happened with the Beatles. They got turned down by twenty-two record labels until Decca finally really? signed them. Yeah, it's the same story. The Beatles, really? Run DMC, some of the biggest bands of all time, really? turned Sad down because you were doing something different, man. Really? And you, I didn't know. Yeah. People call us the Beatles of rap. Well, absolutely. You know how you know how show business is. Mm -hmm. The companies go with what's. Hot. hot and no one wants to take a chance they'll say we love what you're doing Chris, right because you do more of this and then someone takes a chance and then suddenly all the record companies like we want to run dmc right. you gotta get us one you know so that happened to the beatles yeah man it's a famous it might not have been 22 but it was wow. like, it was, it was like a, tons of record companies that's turned them crazy down. well that happened to us and the profile records took a chance with us and we put out our we were, went to re, we, we, we recorded the first album we got the deal after we got the deal we realized something Oh man, we ain't got a DJ to play the music for us <laughs> while we rap. Yeah. So Jason Marcel's Air Master J, he was probably the best DJ that did the block parties in the neighborhood. Okay. So we went to Jay, you know, run went to Jay, Jason. Me and Daryl McDaniels, you gotta understand, this is way before we even think of being a stink over in DMC. Me and Daryl McDaniels formed this group called Run DMC. We need a DJ to play our records for us. So Jay said this. Hold up, you mean to tell me I can DJ like I do in the park for free and get paid for it. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And that was the beginning of Did you ever right did now. you ever consider changing the name to incorporate him? Like well, run JMC or something like yeah, that? Yeah, no. Originally we wanted to be because remember in the beginning it was the Treacherous Three. Yeah. Cold Crush Four, Fearless Four, Furious Five. Yeah, the numbers, right. We didn't want to be run DMC. <laughs> it's funny that you and me and Run cried when Russell said, Hold up, you're a DJ run. <laughs> He's DMC. Those are the initials of his name. It sounds so good now. See, it don't. Of it's not going to give you the right of it. Run DMC. When we first heard oh, it, yeah. we was Russell. We don't want to be Run DMC. Oh. That's the worst name ever. Dude, trust me. I'm in a band called Fozzy. You first okay, heard that. Ah, what are we doing? No people then, or, see or, start or Limp Biscuit or Kiss or Metallica or Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, De Def Leppard. Okay. Think about I that. Think yeah. Def Leppard. Queen. It's Queen. Right. I get it. Okay, so it's all the same. <laughs> see, that's thing. right. So that's right. It happened to us. It happened to you. <laughs> Absolutely. But we wanted to be the. You know the. the the, 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 the dynamic three, the assassins, or you something, know, like something that. right? Exactly, you know the 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 the, the um the dangerous, you know yeah. the dangerous, the dangerous tree, the treacherous trio, yeah, something like that. And it was like he wanted us to be Run DMC, but that's so that was why. Russell Simmons' idea. Yeah. To be now Russell Simmons went on just for for for, for my listeners went yes. on to become the head of Def Jam America, Def, Def Jam, Jam Records, Def Jam Records, basically one of the biggest hip hop uh, moguls of all time. Yeah. Started exactly. right. So. There was no Puffy, no Jay Z. Right. It was Russell it Simmons. Russell. Yes. So we get this deal with this first single, put the first single out. It does well. Mm -hmm. So then Russell says you're gonna make another single. 
So we actually took Curtis, Curtis Blow had did an album that had Christmas rapping and the breaks and all of this. Had this one song on it called Hard Times. Now in the beginning, it's just like you said, the labels go for what's hot. When the message was a big record, if you go back to that early period of hip hop, you had the message one, message two, life in the ghetto, growing up in the ghetto, my dad's from the ghetto, the ghetto's a hard place. You had all these records yeah. saying how bad the ghetto was. So Russell was like, we're going to take Curtis Blow's record, Hard Times, and we're going to make it like it's like that. So we did the record, Hard Times, spread it in just like the flu. Watch out, homeboy, don't let it catch you. You got your pockets, prices going up, got your pockets going down if you got short money you're stuck on the ground turn around get ready keep your eye on the clock and be on point for the future shot hard times tattoo same thing you know same the heavy beat it's behind like, yeah, it yeah heavy beat with the breathing on it yeah that's and, another trademark run run dmc yeah, yeah, breathing yeah. yeah yeah heavy breathing uh mm. in the hoods but then people was getting confused they was like, because there was no videos in, there yeah, was no yeah. album covers. So they was like, originally people thought we was a funk band. Hmm. Because Cameo, Confunction, the Barcades. If you listen to Suck MCs two years ago with the beat, that's rap. But um, it's like that, and Hard Times was kind of like, you could picture a band playing it. Unemployment out of record. Remember Funk, Confunction, and the Barcades, and Cameo came along. So people was like, okay. Run DMC must be a non-piece funk band. Nobody had no idea what the hell this was. So we said, yo, people know it's, it's you know, people didn't even know it was two rappers. They thought it was three rappers. Okay. Because they couldn't tell what voice and who was doing what till they saw us. So we, once people started seeing us, they would always ask, who's the guy in the back with the turntables? <laughs> so we did Hard Times, and then we did a record called Jam Master J. Ah. J-A-Y, all the letters of his name. Cutting and scratching all that because we had to explain who he was, yeah, right, and what he's doing, <laughs> yeah, because it yeah, was yeah. different. Where people used to look at us and say, Where the band at? Yeah, <laughs> oh my god, the guy's playing records because they you know they know of a disco DJ, but not but like they didn't this, know of a group, right? Yeah, once again, the first one of the first bands, if not the first, to have a DJ right. would be Run DMC, in the right? right. Yeah. right. To have the DJ, we did shows. This is crazy, rest in peace. We did shows with Marvin Gaye. Oh, wow, we had really 20 minutes. On tour. No kidding. Playing at Coliseums and see Yeah, Mark. How did you get crazy. that gig? Our record was on the same stations. Our records was playing on all these uh, R&B gotcha. stations. Gotcha. We, we out on the R&B charts. The, yeah. black R, the Urban Heart R&B charts. And uh, Marvin Gaye. Like, it was crazy. Our music came out. And their, the promoters and their management was like, we got to get on this first. Marvin, we need, we need these guys to open up to you. Because it was exposing Marvin... To a whole nother demographic right. too. So it was working. We thought it was because we were so good. No, <laughs> they was using us. Oh, which is cool. But we opened for Marvin Gaye. We opened for George Clinton. Wow. Um, but the crazy thing was, we did that that year. We opened for Marvin Gaye. Then Russell goes, y'all got to do an album. So we recorded the first album with self-titled Run DMC. But that was on the album when we said, yo, people are using the disco breakbeats. They're using the funk breakbeats. They're using the um, R&B breakbeats. And they're using the jazz breakbeats. Mm. Nobody's using the rock breakbeats. Mm. Because before rap records was ever, if you went to the park and you're the DJ, in your crate was Queen, Aerosmith, Billy Squire, yeah. K. 
Kiss and the Rolling Stones. And we would look through those records for any place where the beat and the guitar was just going for a little bit. That's what the DJ had to keep going. Mm. So when we did the first album, it had its Like That, Circumcise, Hard Times, Jam Master J, a couple of other songs. But then we said, yo, let's make a record and put the guitars on it. So we did the song Rockbox. Yeah, yeah. People think Walk This Way is the first rock rap record. I'll get a tongue twister here. <laughs> the first rock rap record wasn't Walk This Way. The first rock rap record was Rockbox, which was <laughs> the first rap record on MTV. Say that three times fast. I know. <laughs> and that got us on MTV. Then we did King of Rock with Larry Bud Melman from the David Letterman Show. Now, you got to understand, we don't know who's who we kids. Yeah. So the label's bringing all of these... Just some oh, old white guy. Yeah, in, in the there. first video, we have Professor Erwin Corey. Who's that? Remember Professor Erwin Corey? He was this comedian. Oh, he movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at there's a scene in the movie Car Wash with a P, and they think it's a bomb. Um, he did commercials. He did stand. He was a stand-up comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy hair, wore I white. remember. Yeah, you know, Ron, yeah, you yeah. Him, you know this guy. He was first. Then we had Larry Bud Melman, um, from the David Letterman show. And the reason why we did King of Rock because that's when people started saying, "This rap music's a fad. These guys won't be here so long." So instead of saying we're the kings of rap, we just. And the, the funny thing is, Lou Reed, Bon Jovi, um. The Ramones, um, Debbie Harry. Remember, Debbie Harry made a rap record. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rapture. Yeah, Bob, Rapture. Blonde. Bad, yeah, Bob, Freddie, yeah. and Bebe. Right yeah. at that time, 85 punk rock was... When we would do our shows around DMC and the Beastie Boys, the Ramones was in the audience. Oh. Debbie Harry, <laughs> Lou Reed, and them all was in the audience. So when they started saying rap was a fad or whatever, we just made a bold statement. We're the kings of rock, which got a lot of people's attention. Now, the critics... And the journalist was like, how do these guys have the balls? This is blasphemy. What the hell are they doing saying this? But Lou Reed and all these guys saw themselves in us. They got it, yeah. You know, they, they caught it. And that was, the, that, that was the whole first early beginning of it, which led to the Walk This Way thing in 86. Well, at that point, though, like, like you said, you guys started having almost a gimmick, we call it in wrestling, or yeah, superhero. Yeah. You, had, a, you wore the track suits. I mean, the one thing we're talking about, about uh, DMC being a superhero, you said Chris Rock, you always had the glasses. The glasses. You, the, everyone the knew that, that the guy with the glasses is DMC. I know that. They know I'm not sure right. which guy is, is Jay or which guy is Ron, but it. the glasses guy, I know that guy. You yes. know? Yes. I mean, exactly. that, was, that was like your gimmick. You that know, was right? my gimmick. And yeah. the hats. And, and then, of oh, course. Ron used to be, man, I'm so jealous everybody always knows you. But it was. <laughs> It was a costume. Yeah. My first publicist said, it was amazing to sit around Daryl, this Catholic yeah. school kid from yeah. suburban, lower middle class Queens. See, he wasn't from the Bronx and Harlem. Uh-huh. You know, in the 80s, Bronx and Harlem was a drug wars, drug-filled, gang-filled war zone. We was from the Queens. I lived in a house. We had a yeah. fence around. <laughs> My father mowed the lawn. We had a dog <laughs> in the backyard. My, I had a basketball court. The kids in the Bronx at Harlem didn't have that. But um, Bill, my first publicist, Bill Atlas, said it was amazing to see this mild-mannered, straight-A Catholic school kid transform classes, hat, gold chain, Adidas suits, and Adidas with no laces, into the, the mighty DMC. Yeah. There's another one. So no no laces as well. That was another. That another was thing. identified. It was part of the whole. That, that you guys had awesome. a look. Now, is that, and what, what was it that finally took you guys, we mentioned earlier, uh -huh. having the first, you know, gold record for a rap band, then platinum, right. then being an American bandstand, MTV yeah, videos, with Dick Rolling Stone magazine cover. First what was it that man. took you to get 
to that level? What pushed you guys over the cliff? It was Kings of Rock what really started to do that? Or was it Rockbox? It was Rockbox. Yeah. You know what? It was MTV. It was Rockbox getting on MTV. It's, it's hard MTV. To, they ruled the world back then. Yeah. MTV hard. was, we probably would have did something eventually. Yeah. But because of MTV, you turn it on. What the hell is this? What the hell? Yeah. They're, they're riding. They got guitars and Adidas and yeah. the little white kids running through the club. <laughs> and the guys using the tent. And you're seeing Madonna and you're seeing Michael and you're seeing, um, oh, there's so much talent at that time. You're seeing Bowie. Everybody. You're seeing well, I mean, you're seeing Cher. It's funny. I was just watching. I didn't know this till I did some research. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching the Live Aid DVDs just a few days ago. Was and just there. remembering how amazing. Like all, There was so many Hall of Famers. That and, was MTV. And, but you guys were on right. that. And you know, I never crazy. knew that. The, the, that was like the first rap band to ever be on such a huge stage. No, that was, that was scary, though. Was that in Philly? That was scary. Yeah, yeah that was at um. No, that was, was the DC. I think it was Philly. RFK, RFK Stadium. Stadium. That's that, yeah. I don't know where that's Philly. At, I think it is. Yeah. See, I'm, I was, I was, <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> we was on tour and they called Bill Graham. Yep, the famous promoter. promoter. We on tour. Not can we just want to rhyme and be do our yeah, hip hop yeah, yeah. thing? In the middle of the tour. They go, uh, no, matter of fact, we was doing a show in D.C. the night before. We had to there go to you Philly. go. That's what we're And they say, Bill Cram, who's that? <laughs> oh, you don't know Bill. San Francisco. and you Legendary. Know, legendary. He personally requested wow. us to be on the show. And he was an older guy. He must have had his ear to the ground of he what was cool. He the streets. Wow. This new thing going on. All the musicians are talking about Run DMC. Now, everybody's there. You got Queen, McCartney, Mick Jagger, The Who. I mean, yeah, all the big scary. bands at the time, Duran Duran and, and Bob I Dylan. I didn't want to say hi to none of them. <laughs> You're we scared, said, right? I don't want to disrespect. This is crazy. How did the crowd take you that day? It Confused? Was, it was 70... No, let me no, don't give us that much. It was 60-40. Okay. And you're dealing with a crowd of about 80,000 people. No, right. 60-40. Yeah. So it was, ah, but also, boo. <laughs> what the hell what is the this? Hell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, that happened a lot. The truth is, it's funny. Never got rest in peace. Lou Reed. Yes. When we put Rockbox out, Lou Reed had us open for him in New York in a village somewhere downtown on the scene. When we came out. 80% kind of knew about the, you know, they heard the singles and they knew this Run DMC, but 20%? Middle fingers up the whole, we were, we got to the point where we looked at, should we leave stage now to show much going on? <laughs> I'm talking about re-rhyming. I couldn't wait to demonstrate all the super death rhymes that, boo, <laughs> boo you, DM, you, DMC, I'm rhyming in the DMC, 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 look at me. You, boo, the whole show. <laughs> and see, that's that's one reason why it's bad that people knew which one was DMC. Right. That's when you want to take your exactly glasses off. Right. <laughs> Let's get the one we know how to his name. <laughs> yes, and it right. was just like crazy. But the cool thing is Lou Reed comes on for his sense. I just want to address those people that you're, that's booing them. Mm-hmm. Here's why I put them on the show. I see myself in them. I started like that as a kid. Listening to the Beatles and listening to, you know, listening to the guys that came before me, listening to the blues. I'm trying to figure it out. And we say, wow. <laughs> and Lou Reed's people, you know, the whole staff, oh my God, that's huge. You know, 
we didn't really know who Lori was. <laughs> yeah. It must be there. That's you, Jay and Mr. Reed out there giving no credit. We said, wow. But it was scary. Live Aid was totally scary. Like this, it was scary. Wow. It was almost like, you know, we, we coming up, um, we getting on radio. We start, like I'm saying, we starting to open for bands and stuff like that. But it's still like we was protected in our own world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now we coming into this big world. You're playing with the big boys now. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know who's living large at my house? My three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy, and Snickers. And you know why? Because we switched them to Pretty Litter. Okay, so it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large, thanks to Pretty Litter. Because Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, so no more bad cat smells in the bathroom Pretty Litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us and less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I got to deal with this fight every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty Litter also ships right to our front door, so no more last-minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses, like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This this is Talk is Jericho. Welcome back to Talk is Jericho. I got DMC sitting across the table for me. So many great stories you've already told, man. I, I'm just sitting here like in awe about all these great things. But let's talk about what really busted open Run DMC to the next level. And basically created you know we, we mentioned there was other people that were doing it, but, but mm-hmm. basically started the whole rap rock phenomenon and more importantly mm-hmm. resurrected the dead career of Aerosmith funny, Aerosmith funny. was dead at that point in time they were trying to make a little bit of a comeback but they had nothing going on how did you guys come up with the idea of doing walk this way and how did you approach Aerosmith in, in getting them to understand what you had to offer oh, wow that's a great question I'm sure it's everybody always- says we brought them back well, you did. If you look at what happened with them, I mean, because uh, Joe Perry and Brad Whitford left left the band in about eighty. A lot right. of drug problems. They right, got right, back I together in eighty four, eighty five. They did one kind of lukewarm record, uh, and then suddenly, boom! Here it comes. Right. Well, what happened was this: we was working on a Raising Hell album. We was already probably six or seven records in. Mm-hmm. I remember when I said earlier. You know, in the DJ's crate, it was, you know, Aerosmith, Queen, yeah. whatever. We didn't know the song was walked this way because Jay would never let the record play that far because when the guitars was getting ready to end, just when Steven was pro- about to sing, Jay would go back to the front of the uh. record. So me and Run never heard the lyrics. We just knew, get toy, we knew the name of the Right, we knew the album, and back to the beginning, we knew the album was Toys in the Attic. had no idea what the name of the record was. Jay's a DJ. So I was like, yo, Jay, on this album, let's sample Toys in the Attic. I didn't say Which is what you called it, yeah. Yo, let's sample Toys in the Attic and make a song out of it. So cool. So Jay takes the Toys in the Attic. He's looping it. Right. Sampling it. It was going to go... And just keep that going. Rick Rubin. Right. 
We have to talk about the influence of Rick Rubin on Run DMC as well. Rick Rubin, Johnny Cash, Run DMC, Chili Peppers, the big, the biggest producer in the world, Metallica. Metallica. You know, everybody's involved with that. Shanker, Lincoln, Black Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath records, Black Sabbath, ACDC. Yeah, people know who Rick Rubin is. Right. So he was producing us at that time. He comes in the studio. Because he was just an up-and-comer at that point in time, too, Well, right? yeah, yeah. He, he we like met a... him through the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys was a punk rock group. Oh, okay. They had that record called Cookie Puss. Uh-huh. <laughs> back in 80-something. So Rick was... Funny thing, Rick was their DJ. Really? At the time. Yeah. Of course, he's a white guy in a white rap band, which was probably even less received than a oh, black rap right. band. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they had it worse than you guys Yeah, did. well, right. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I remember the day Rick came in with the BC Boys and said, you think these guys could rap? Now, this was before they was into Buddhism and all that. Yeah. <laughs> we looked at them and said, look, the way they act, they could do anything that they want. <laughs> but so that's how we met Rick. We was working in the same studio, so we became friends, and he just, he had a great knowledge of rock. Uh-huh. Because we was trying to sample, uh, um, it's tricky, we're sampling my Sharona. Yeah, that's right. And it didn't sound like the way he was doing it. He said, no, don't just sample it. Play the real guitar over it. Um, Mary, Mary was, was the monkey. Yeah, I was going to say that. Mary, man, yeah. where are you Why are you bugging? So yeah. he made that into... Yeah, okay. He, that's because he was that dude. Yeah. He was guitar. He was he knew the history of it. Mm. We didn't know. We just knew these were breakbeats. Yeah. He knew the history. So yeah. he comes in and he goes, guys, that's how Rick talked. Mm. Do you know who that is? So me and Jay's like, yeah, it's Toys in the Attic. <laughs> no, this is Aerosmith. And he just he says what you just said to me. They were gone, history, they're from Boston, whole thing. So we're looking at him like this. And? And he goes like this. He says, you know what? It would be great if y'all did direct it over. So we're thinking from hip-hop standard, what the hell you think we're going to do? We're going to sample it? And we're going to rhyme. We're going to do it over. I'm a rhyme. I'm DMC in a place to be. The best MC in history. Been rhyming on the mic since 83. There will never be an MC better than me. And then run go. no. This is Rick. No. Do the record as is the way they made it. Me and Run was like, what you talking about, Rick? Jay was like, wow. Rest in peace, Jay. He was a visionary. Jay was like, wow. He got it. That's never been done before. And we turned, me and Ron turned to Jay. Jay, what you taking sides? <laughs> and you're on his team. Me and Ron is like, oh, no, we're going to rhyme. Yeah. So Rick takes the record off the turntable, gives it to me, gives us a pen and pad, go in D's basement, put the record on the turntable, let it play. Yeah. Sit there, write the lyrics out, and come back to the studio and do them. So we go down to my basement. True story. I put the needle on the record. It goes, in the place. Backstroke Lugger, Stephen Lyric. Come on, we get on the phone. Oh, hell no. This is Hillbilly Gibberish. You trying to ruin our career? Africa Van Baden, the Zulu Nation is going to hate us, flashing them. I mean, we going all. You thought the lyrics were crap. Right. Right. And it that went on for like probably 10 minutes. Wow. Oh, no, we're not doing this. We're rhyming. No, you're going to Russell Run's brother. You're going to do it. Jay's telling him, stop screaming out of Russell and talk to him and this and that. So, make a long story short, we said, no, we ain't doing it like that. Hmm. Hung up the phone. For six hours, me and Run sat in my basement. Phone rang and say, you're Run. I'm telling you, you pick it up. He goes, no, you pick it up. You pick it up for six hours. You pick it up. So, finally, I pick up the phone. 
it's Jay. Guys, you hear Russell screaming in the background, this and that. Jay said, just write the record and don't worry about it. Hang on the phone. So me and Run, we sat there, we listened to the record. If you listen to their version and our version, we get two words wrong. There's two sections wrong. Okay. Steven says, uh, hey, Diddy, Diddy, with your kitty in the middle. We say, hey, diddle, diddle, with oh, your yeah. kitty in the And there's another word that we, because we didn't <laughs> you know. Didn't we know, right. Listen. You can't, you can't go online and look up the lyrics of this. Yeah, you just exactly. have to listen to it. Yeah. So we, 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 we got the records. But me and Run's whole thing is, okay, we're gonna, we kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to write, but we ain't doing it. <laughs> so a couple of days go by. Jay calls up. Yo, y'all got to come to the studio. Sunday, if it's a Sunday morning. Y'all got to come to the studio. Me and run, but Jason, man, this is your Billy music. You're going to ruin it. He said, calm down, calm down. Listen to this. And Jay's, we like, what's going on in there? Jay goes, Rick done called Boston and brought Joe Steven Tyler and Joe Perry here. And just, Jay just said these words to us because he's trying to edge us on. Yo, and Steve is in here kicking your asses. And then me and run still calling, but Jason, that's not rapping. <laughs> and, and Jay says, slow down. Jay goes, don't do the record the way Steve sung it. Because if you listen to it, this is Jay. If you listen to it, he's still rapping. See, so swing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stopping, saying things. That's he right. said, don't do it like Steve, because y'all don't sing. Do it like Run DMC would do it. What do you mean? Let's take a word each, what y'all known for. Uh, uh, switch off. Switch. Okay, go to the studio. We laid it. Sat back and listened to it. Everybody got happy. That's why at the end, when Steve takes the end verse, Steve watched what we did and said, ooh, ooh, Steve was like a kid. He was like, ooh, ooh, can you do the ad-lib thing over my phone, too? That's why at the end, yeah. Yeah, see, love it. we come on with him. Love he was him. like, this is cool. This is cool. He Joe Perry, Steve, the whole thing, the whole session, Steve was like a kid. Mm-hmm. Ooh, can I DJ? Ooh, can I run? <laughs> ooh, let me do this. Joe Perry did this the whole session. Joe, you all right? Just sat there, yeah. No, no, Joe, you all right? You hungry, Joe? Want something to eat? Just well, shaking his head. Play? Joe, you ready to play? He walked in there. His guitar tech came, put the guitar in his hand. He had the cigarette hanging. <laughs> he looked up, said, hit tape. And railed it. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to see musicians. See, but the thing is, they got it. They understood wow. what was going on. Yeah. Because you could see it on their end going, no, we're not doing this. This is our classic wow. tune. No, they put gonna... more energy into it than we did. Did they? Did you think they knew that it was going to give them a, a kick in the ass to be involved with you guys? Like no, You guys, you guys think, were big at, that, po- at yeah. that point. Well, Rick said when he called, I think they took it as a roll of a dice because our joke was this. After they really did it. Rick said, yo, they could have made a record with God and mm. people would have hated it. Mm. Steve Aerosmith could have made the best rock record ever made in the history of, of the universe. And people would have said, no, this is fake. But what happened, Rick said he calls and the guy picks up the phone. Hi, I'm Rick Rubin. I'm producing a rap group called Run DMC and we want to do your record over. Is anybody I could talk to? Hold on. Hey guys, there's some guy on the phone. Rick Rubin says it, whatever you're doing. Run DMC is a rap. Y'all know, yeah, we kind of know it, but what do y'all want to do? Uh, Steve's management said it was one of those things where, fuck it, it can't hurt. Yeah, right. What else do we got right now? Right. Yeah, right. And they came, to, like, when we did it, they, one thing I could say about them, they made me and Run step up. Because mm. it was their record. I think that's why I yeah. want to. It wasn't, I think. If, if 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 we would have sampled it mm-hmm. and did it the way I said we was going to do it, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking. Yeah. Because we did it, because we did a remake of a, we didn't 
throw up gang signs. We didn't bitches and hoes. We didn't <laughs> smoke no weed. We did the record over. So when their audience heard it, they took it as a tribute. Absolutely. You didn't ruin it. No, see, being, uh, you know, I grew up in, in Canada in Winnipeg, and I was a rock kid. Didn't know much about rap other than what we were starting to hear. And that song came on like, this is cool. Everybody loved it. And I wasn't even a big Aerosmith fan, but that made me one. A lot of people said you know? that. A and lot I, of people said Yeah, that. and I remember vividly the video, and I'm sure you guys did this right. on purpose, but when Steve finally knocks down the wall right. between you, that, that was, was all, symbolic. Right. It's knocking was down the, the wall. Director, John Small. It's knocking down the wall really between happened. rock and rock. And after that, then suddenly Anthrax does it for metal. And suddenly uh, then, exactly. then, then, then it became yep. a thing. Like, this yes. is cool. We exactly. welcome this. Exactly. All the kids that was listening to metal... Yes. No, they didn't have to be mad at their friend telling them. That's to right. This. At first, they didn't want to listen to it. Yes. Keep it separate. Absolutely. You, you hundred. That's the greatest way to explain it. it. Sure, it is. That's what actually happened. And Ruben did it again with Beastie Boys' uh, uh, "No Sleep to Brooklyn" when he had Mice Carrie King. Yeah, Carrie King from Slayer exactly. played the solo. So it's like, okay, well, we got. Well, the funny MC, thing is, Slayer, the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, the Bomb Squad. All of those people was using this one studio called Chunking House of Metal. So we was already in the mix. Hey, what's, uh, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, but we never came together. And walked this way, brought us together. Now that was a, a, a huge hit. That must have just taken you. Guys yeah, that was. People ask me, when did you know? You know, getting MTV was a big thing, but we didn't. I didn't stay in. I was a kid. I didn't stay yeah. in the house to watch MTV. Right. So you know, when we got on MTV, Russell and the label was like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> you know, when we was able to get um, Larry Bud Melman, and when we did King of Rock, and you know, we was getting this radio play. Now we was in there, we was opening for these bands, but to us, it was just when we're not rapping in the park no more. We're rapping at you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, we're yeah. rapping at Roseland now. That's whatever. right. That's right. But walk this way was like, oh shoot, something's happening here. So, Something's happening here. So when that took off, and then the Beasties were getting pretty popular too, you guys went mm -hmm. on a tour together, Beastie yeah. Boys and Run DMC. Yeah. How was that? Like the white rap group and the black rap the group? Black, and... It was crazy because the first thing was there's no way these black hip-hop guys is going to get with these white punk rock guys and something's going to happen. <laughs> but every venue. That's, you know, at first when we was coming out from Rockbox to King of Rock before Raising Hell, it probably was... 15% white. Mm -hmm. I'm today at Comic-Con, mm -hmm. I met grown men saying, when y'all played in Cincinnati, my brother was a fireman who got to work the spotlights for the tour, was running MC, LL Cool J, the BCs or whatever. And he said it was easy to find me with the spotlight in the front row because I was only one of the 15 <laughs> white guys in there. Because he said, he asked his brother, how'd you do that? Oh, uh, duh. <laughs> but when Randy MC and the BC started going on tour, it started becoming 50-50. Yeah. It started becoming 50-50. So you had the punk rock audience. You had the kids that was listening to Metallica. Mm -hmm. You had the kids that was listening to Bon Jovi. Right. You had the kids that was following Blondie and the Ramones. All kind of, and the people listening to Grandmaster Flash all yeah. coming to the concerts now. And that's when we started saying, yo, something going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Raising Hell album came out, we went on tour. But what really took it to the next level was the big gang fight in Long Beach, California. What was the that? What happened? In, um, we went on a Raising Hell tour. Everything yeah. was cool. Run MC, the BCs, LL, yeah. J, and Houdini. Um, when we got to Long Beach, California, but it died quick because it, it didn't stick in the media. But it, it kind of 
brought more attention to us because now people look what happened in Long life. Beach when we got to Long Beach the Crips and the Bloods was there BC Boys took the stage did their show starting to get fights and then there's, there's a oh there's a fight back there when Houdini hit the stage Run DMC and LL never got to perform it was a gang fight <laughs> there's a gang show over during the show during the show wow during the show Crips and Bloods Crips, Crips and Bloods damn man 1986 Long Beach California Wow. So you know, that night, every news station, hip-hop is bad. <laughs> boom, boom. The next morning, me and Jay had to do all the morning. Run got sick and wanted to go home. He was just, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> We're over now. So me and Jay, all we had to do, though, was go on the news to all the journalists. We kind of shut it down like Michael Jordan did with gambling. Yeah, I gamble, so what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't ask him no questions. That's now. right. Yeah, you're Remember, he, he called the press conference for ESPN. Yes, I'm Michael Jordan. I'm Gamble. Next question. <laughs> now the hype is over. Remember, right. he did that. So me and Jay go on here and said, we just want to say this. The conditions that caused that gang fight exist everywhere. You could go to, to London with the hooligans. If the two rival cities get there, they're going to fight. A high school football team. We settle it on the football field, but if high school A and high school B, the students seeing them, meeting them all, all you got to do a few words, it's going to be some fight. But we said this, run the MC, BC Boys, LL Cool J, Houdini, check the music. Mm -hmm. There's not one reference of violence, there's no profanity, there's no disrespecting women, there's no talk, check the music. So I guess people had, oh, there's nothing on this record. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, there's not. The, the 50 shows before this. Right, no problems. So the next day, but the next day we have more press there waiting to see mm -hmm. what's going on. So that's really why we got to cover Rolling Stone. Because oh. now, not only are they, they did this rap rap thing, it's kind of ill too. <laughs> that's right. But, and and it, that's what put us right there. You know what I'm saying? Did you guys, uh, obviously, your biggest fame was in America. How did you translate into a worldwide audience? Did you do a lot of international touring? Yeah, yeah. In the, in the, in the early years, I think we went over to our first touch of overseas was Japan and London. Okay, wow. And when we first went to London, we played to a place called, there was a place, a venue called there in the 80s called Hammersmith Odeon. Yeah, yeah, still there. Hammersmith huh. Odeon. Yeah. yeah. Legendary concerts then. Yeah, absolutely. Legendary, you got to come back. Selling out legendary. So once they knew, whoa, Run DMC played Hammers before they sold out every time they came. Run DMC and the Beasties. So now we got to go to France. Mm -hmm. Now we got to go over to Belgium. Yeah, now the promoters want you to come, right? Yeah, here exactly. he is. Yeah. Then we went the same thing we went, when we went over to J Japan. You know, the, the thing that was cool with Japan, when we went over to Japan, Japan is very um, culturally enthusiastic yeah. about cultures where you know you might see a dread Japanese but they're not pretending yeah. they embrace the culture right. they embrace rock and roll they embrace jazz they embrace... we went over there and the jazz bands and jazz clubs was better than ones in New York City <laughs> so they embrace the culture but the other thing with Japan is fashion it's their style they're very visual and colorful so the whole graffiti and the way we was dressing when we got to Japan not only it was the new rap music thing that was just rebellious and so a flavor, our look in Japan was like, what? 
tango oh, hats, yeah. the glad, the DMC <laughs> glasses, the gold chain, the the, 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 the I'm sure they're the all wearing it. No late, right? Yeah, that's right. So they embraced us, you know, in in in, in London and Europe. It was just about the music. Uh huh. You know, the, the, and what was good about your in Europe, it was even though these dudes are sampling the rock music. They could play with the rock guys mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even over there, we was doing shows. That, um, um, there's a band in Germany called Blitzkrieg. Um, Third Reich. There's a band in Germany, a huge rock band in Germany uh-huh. that was huge in the '80s. We was opening for all of them. But really? it was yeah, yeah. So it became a thing where this rap thing is good live. So, you know what? Because it's heavy, too, though. That's the thing. There's yeah. a heavy element to yeah. rap where you can really yeah. feel it, you know? Yeah. It's got and that same aggression. Truth be told, we have more fun in Europe than <laughs> in the States. Well, let's talk about... I was going to mention that. I mean, you, you were talking about how you're basically a young guy. You're in your 20s, mid-20s. Mm-hmm. How was it to be so huge? Did you fall into the trappings of... Sex, of drugs, and rock sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Sex, drugs, drugs, and rap and roll. All yeah. of it. Yeah, sex, yeah. drugs, and rap and roll for us. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. But, uh, I, you know, the, the, cool, the reason why people really don't know about it was we knew not to put those images and concepts on our record. Mm-hmm. But our parties was better than Jay-Z's and Diddy's combined. <laughs> you heard it here. Let me just say that. But we, well, once we started noticing, yo, they wearing the glasses like you, D. They wearing the, the sneakers like us, y'all. They want to wear the, just clothes like us. We just knew. Jay would always say, yo, we got to think about the young ones. Mm-hmm. So if we go and smoke our weed and do our drinking, it's in the dressing room. It's on the bus. We ain't going to be like these other guys. Right, on we stage. Don't wanna, and... I mean, if the kids going to do it, they're going. But we don't want to be part of that influence. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. A lot of our music was, I'm DMC in a place to be. I go to St. John's University. Wycliffe, you know, Wycliffe John yeah, the Bougies, yeah. he said, yo, TMC is the only MC that can sing about Christmas time and Hollis, <laughs> chicken and collard greens, Adidas sneakers, and St. John's University and make a gangster. <laughs> so we kind of knew, but behind the scenes, put it like this, from 85 to 90 to 90 was... was Crazy time. (laughs) Did it ever stick with you? I mean, did you have any issues where you had to, like, you don't drink now anymore? I don't drink. Yeah, I've been sober since 2004. Gotcha. Now, the craziest thing that happened to me was I used to drink a case of 40 ounces a day. Ooh. Wow. A day. Just from a calorie standpoint. Never mind. Yeah. A case. (laughs) And then go out at night and drink Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, Bacardi and Coke. This and that. So eventually, it caught up caught, caught up to me. In 1991, I had a case of acute pancreatitis. Mm. I went into the doctor with the worst pain ever, and the doctor said this to me. He said, oh, "You know, you drink beer and stuff like that." Yeah, I drink. He said, "How many six packs?" I said, "I don't just drink six packs." <laughs> well, what do you drink? Forty ounces? You know, one or two. No, I drink a case of gay. They was like, admit him, admit nurse, IV. I was on an IV for a month and a half. Wow. I didn't take nothing orally. Yeah. And they said, yo, you're lucky because your pancreas and your liver wasn't damaged. Wow. Well, that actually happened to Duff McKagan, a good friend of mine from Guns N' Roses. His, wow. pan- his pancreas exploded. And he woke up in the hospital like you, you were dead. Oh, the Duff's pancreas exploded. exploded. And that's why Duff now, he's a health nut. He's all skinny. I he looks saw great. him, right. I did a Camp Freddy event That's right. Him. 
That's why. Camp Freddy. Next Next time you see him, mention it to him because his went all the way and blew up, man. Wow. So that could have been you. You did the right thing. How was it for Run DMC in the 90s? And I mean, obviously, you guys had the kind of the golden age of of the 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 game rap. Was it? It was changing for us. Changing, yeah. The only thing that we held on, the only thing that kept us survive was a live stage show. Mm-hmm. You know, other rap- rappers, other rappers now and even then, they had a hit record that people remembered. Yeah. But it was just something about how music was, it's just constant, it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what came, gangster rap came, Vanilla Ice came, mm-hmm. Hammer came, but even, um, you know, the groups like De La Soul, um, Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, PM Dawn. Um, PM Dawn. Remember yeah. how first it was just, then Tupac and Biggie came. Even though we wasn't on radio anymore, and we wasn't mainstream on MTV, the only thing, even if you thought, I thought they been broke up. <laughs> when we showed up live, yeah, yeah. we did It's Tricky, Walk This Way, King of Rock, and My Adidas. It was like, whoa. You had a set list, like, right. hit after hit but after hit. But during that time, we got lost in the sauce. Because, I mean, even when Public Enemy came out, and Eric B. and Rock came, and um, the Beasties, License the Ill, the Beastie was going into the venue, and it, and it was cool because the Beasties was able to transition. Because you know what, what, what really we should have did? We should have transitioned to... That's right. That's what Beasties did. When they, when they did Check Your Head and they started playing instruments and went back to that funk, that punk roots. Right, they, right, they, right. They right. were that. Yeah. We never had right, that. Right, right, right. So we kind of got lost in the source. Let, let's talk about... I mean, you mentioned a couple times. I mean, the the, the, the very mysterious death of, of, of Jam, Jam Master, Master Jay. Yeah. Do you, do you, I mean, he was... I mean, you could probably tell the story better mm-hmm. than I can. What exactly happened? Do we know? Well, we was on... Um, the crazy thing was... We went through that whole 90s period. Mm-hmm. And then in 93, uh, Pete Rock, the producer, well, world-renowned hip-hop producers, one of the top five producers of all times, he did the record Down With The King for us, which mm-hmm. kind of brought us back. We started. We went on a Family Values tour with Limp Bizkit. Oh, wow. Okay. We started getting really? calls yeah. again. Well, you went on tour with Aerosmith. We did. Yeah. Aerosmith calls us up. Yeah. Oh, shoot. We forgot about that. <laughs> right. When they came out, they went and got a $40 million oh, new yeah. deal. Oh, yeah. Well, then it was hit after hit after hit after then hit. they did the ballad for the space movie. Oh. <laughs> for and we Armageddon. Like, what I don't that? want to miss a thing. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, man. Oh, man. You, that's what I'm saying. You, we missed that part. You're right. You kicked off Aerosmith. Because after Walk This Way, Permanent Vacation. And there was pump and there was get a grip and there was Armageddon. It was amazing. It was hit, hit, hit. They became massive. You know. And yeah, speaking on that, before I do talk about that, but the, the album that they had after Walk This Way, dude, they had those records. But like I said, nobody was. Nobody yeah, no one was gonna touch it. That's right. Like, dude we're looks like a lady was after that. that. Yeah. We was a perfect marketing plan. That's right. That's right. So during that time, during that nineties time. You know, Aerosmith is doing the big, they back to the, Yeah, they're back they to... They back to that Guns N' Roses level yeah. where Guns N' Roses opened for them. That's right. And then took, pushed them out the way and yeah, became... Yeah. Somebody yeah, told me at one time Guns N' Roses was the biggest band in the world. I think 93 they were. 92, the world, 93, like, wow. yeah. So absolutely. Aerosmith is back to that now. Yeah. They, 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 Aerosmith's being talked about more than the Stones at this time. You're right, Stones absolutely. Stones touring every year. Yeah. Aerosmith was everywhere, yeah. especially with the space movie and all uh-huh. that. So we get a call from Aerosmith. Um, we want to do a tour. We want to do Aerosmith headlining, Run DMC opening with Kid Rock in the middle. Oh yeah. <laughs> we just want to do half the tour like this, you know, just to show people now. Y'all remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tour started going so well. They was like, we got to add y'all to all the dates. It was during the break. 
We took the break. We did like probably 20 shows. We were only supposed to do 20. They was doing like 40 days. We was only supposed to do the first half yeah, yeah, tour. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the cities that we're, you know, New York, yeah, Philly, Chicago, yeah. Philly. Oh, shit, they got yeah. running over <laughs> Um, So we take the break. We come off the road. And um, I'm home. We home. We were supposed to go do, because um, Running MC, once Aerosmith did this with us, all the promoters started calling. Could you come do the basketball game? Could you do halftime of the football game? Gotcha. Hey, Limp Biscuit, Limp Biscuit was calling. Yo, DMX can't do what we want y'all. Everybody's calling us again. So we get a call to go do the basketball halftime show in D.C. for the NBA. And um, Eric, he was with us. You know, he calls, mm-hmm. yo, we got this gig cool. And we get money. Thank you, Pete Rock. You <laughs> saved our career. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, it's basically, okay, Eric, so we see you all in the morning. So I, you know, I pack my bag. I'm laying at 10 o'clock news. Channel 5, Channel 9, Channel 11 in New York. Turn to Channel 5 news. This just said, Jam Master J, a rap group run DFC shot. Yeah, whatever. Because wow. during the Raising Hell tour in 86, we were so huge, it was a rumor. Jay's dead. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, every night, we on front. We, we Look, we with Rolling Stone. Yeah. Walked this Adidas deal. Yeah. Just rumored, Jay's dead. Yeah, Somebody, yeah. But it wasn't even internet. It was just Jay's dead. Because <laughs> we were so big. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Turn to Channel 9. This Justin, Jay Master Jay run the MC shop. Yeah, whatever. Turn to Channel 11. Jay Master Jay run the MC shop. Whatever, whatever. So now I'm thinking, okay. They show Jay's studio. So I'm thinking this. Of course, he's the star. Somebody did get shot in there, but not Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I'm looking. Okay, yeah. So somebody probably did get shot. Jay's studio was five minutes from where we grew up. Mm-hmm. By the bus terminal, somebody gets shot. Turn it back to now, never. Now Channel 7 is picking up on it. Now Channel 2 is, yes. now NBC is picking up on it. Still don't believe it. His daughter calls me, crying, his daughter Erica. I can't even hear what she's saying. They kill. That's when I knew it was serious. Hop in my car, me and my wife hop in my car. I was living in Jer- Jersey at the time. We jet the, um, we jet the Queens to Jay's studio. Two people I saw, Ed Lover from Ed Lover and Dr. Yeah, Dre yeah, yeah. and Chuck D, a public enemy, never seen this before, bawling, crying. That's when I knew it was true. So what happened? I don't know. I don't know. I describe it like this. People always ask me, you know, when I go to speak at high schools, I do a lot of speaking about the positive things about hip Right, right, right. Like and I always get a little smaller, like, kid, DMC. Y'all guys never glorified violence. Y'all, y'all didn't even, you only cursed on two records. Y'all were always a positive group. What do you got to say about Jay dying? You know, it wasn't like Pac and Biggie. It wasn't no, we never had no beef. Mm-hmm, we never mm-hmm, knew Jay yeah. that. Jay's studio was five minutes from where he grew up. He could have had his studio in Manhattan. Anywhere. Around the corner from That's Diddy's right. studio, from, from Daddy's house, from Buffy's studio. Yeah. He could have had his studio in sunny California down the block at around the corner from Dr. Dre's. Yeah. His studio was five minutes from where he grew up. He made it out. He said, let me go back and bring my neighborhood through the same door I came through. Mm-hmm. So there's no evidence. Without evidence, there's no case. There's suspects, but without evidence, there's no case. But I look at it like this. I always say this, and people say, wow, that's deep, D. You know, for what we did with our music, we knew it was able to influence and inspire. I'm not particularly mad at the guy that shot Jay in the head. I'm mad at the mentality mm-hmm. that would cause him. The very thing Jay made it for. Yo, you could come and you could be you could be the studio, you could be the engineer. Jay was this type of guy. You could be the engineer, 
Because everybody wants to say, Chris, you know this. I want to sing and I want to drum and I want to rap. And then you listen to them. Yeah. And I, I don't never disrespect anybody. I've right, got right, anything right. else you could do. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the guys who wanted to be rappers wound up being great video directors. Mm -hmm. So Jay sure, of course. the guy that, yo, I can't sign you to a record deal, but you could come intern at the studio, learn the board. That's, that's a career, too. So Jay was that dude. So he had those elements that he was fighting against. That one person didn't respect that. And this is, he was in the studio His tracking studio or whatever. with people he knew. And guy came in, shot him and yeah. ran away? Shot him in the head, ran away. Now, the only thing that I could say, what's the relation about that? Jay was kind of fortunate because whoever did it had to wait for Jay to come off the tour. Because mm -hmm. we was on the, raising, on on the, the Aerosmith tour, yeah. So, dang, the guy shot Jay. I live here. I work every day. It probably was one, yo, we... Your wife and kids is on the block. Mm. But the crazy thing is, I got all the OGs and even young Gs. Man, when we find out who did it, because you don't shoot Jay. You shoot. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. I got to do I'm dropping down. When you yeah. let me find out that when I hear who did it, I'm dropping down. Yeah. Because you don't shoot Jay because of what Run DMC stood for. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But I, I have but no never idea. found out. It's crazy. And it's, you know, it's weird when you know you, you hear, and for our culture, I understood what all those people felt when Morrison died. Yeah. When Hendrix died. When Kirk died. Yeah. I went through that. I was like, wow, whoa. I know what that feels like. So so was that basically the end of Run DMC at that point? Just As a group. You couldn't see yourself getting another guy? or trying to put it like this. Oh, we always ask people, you want to see me and Run? You want to see these two guys now trying to do what those three guys did together. Mm. Yeah. We can't even attempt to do now. If, if, if you could see, like, we did, we did uh, Jay-Z's Made in America. Mm -hmm. We did Fun Fun Festival in Austin, Texas. And we just... So you have done live performances. We'll, do, we'll show up at Coachella. So who, but it won't be, yo, Run DM... No, right. we saw Run and D do a show at... Yeah, 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 yeah. Run, not You're not run saying run DMC. DMC. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. We can't replace Andre. It's, it's interesting. That's it's, like that's right. David Grohl started the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I can't. We can't. It, it'd be like, you know, uh, if Getty Lee died, you can't just get another guy in Rush. It's like that's the trio. Every guy's just important. Nirvana, right. same thing. Change it. Police, Enjoy. the same thing. Right. Run DMC. See, and people's like, man, you could. Now, but no, now. I get it. People give us this too. Now, from a rap standpoint, we could. Mm hmm. But um, so many people say, yeah, but Run DMC meant to us so much more than music. Yes. From a music standpoint, people say, man, look, y'all could go get DJ Jazzy Jeff from Jazzy Jeff, the Fresh <laughs> yeah. Prince, Terminator X, or Mixmaster Mike from the Beasties. Yeah. And we could, we could go do a tour with all the DJs from all the groups we inspired, but it won't be. Well, right let me here. tell you a perfect example of this, and you'll totally get this. Mm -hmm. uh, I had Jason Bonham on my show, John Bonham's son. And he was telling me that Led Zeppelin did the big reunion back in 07 at the 02. And everyone was like, Zeppelin's oh, got right, a tour. Got a tour. Yes, just one show for Ahmet Erdogan. They really did? They that. did. Wow. And afterwards, Jason asked Robert Plant, 
are we going to do more of this? And he said, listen, Jason, I love you. You're the perfect replacement and the only guy that could ever replace your father, but you're still not John Bonham. And I cannot do Led Zeppelin without my friend John Bonham with me. That's why Led Zeppelin will never tour again, because you can't just get another drummer. You can't just get another DJ. It's more than just being able to go, you know what I mean? Right. So, wow, that's real. It's heavy, right? So you've done a lot of solo stuff. Your new record, Rock Solid. Uh-huh. came out and, yes. and that's just that's just the DMC yeah, record. What, I'm, what I'm trying to do is um, like you said when we started this we create well we didn't create it it was already there but yeah. when Run DMC and Aerosmith when, Aeros- when Steve knocked down that wall yeah Limp Bizkit Corn, um Lincoln Park okay. well, yeah, Kid tons. Rock it was already there they were already doing it yeah. but then they did it with attitude they, <laughs> they didn't have to live up to any expectations what I'm trying to do with my new music is this I can still do what I did, but the presentation has to be different. And the beautiful thing about this, and I'm going to admit this right now, when I perform with a live band and I do rock box, not with the DJ playing yeah. racket, with a real drummer, real bass, and a real guitar, it's a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. But it's a different interpretation sure. of everything you love. So the thing that they say Run DMC created we never ever participated in that. Um, I do a lot of shows with the band Jackal, Full okay. Throttle Saloon, oh, Jesse yeah. James, the yeah. Preaching. Those are my boys. Yeah. We do a lot of shows. I did Sturgis with them and what and stuff like that. And um, we was in we was in Upper Michigan, like up by yeah. that that wilderness area. Yeah, little, almost up by Canada, almost. Yeah, but we was up there, and the, pro- the program director was like, "Yo, man." You know, I would love to see Rockbox and Tricky. I'm sitting there with because I do, I do when I play with Jackal, we do um, Tricky and Walk This Way with that. Oh, Jackal playing, that's cool. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's, and Jesse doing what? Jesse does Tricky with me. Eh, it's Tricky doing rock. It's the it's bourbon. It's oh my god! It's the, it's, it's the best. It's so it's a different interpretation. Yeah, and all those dudes in their audience, you know, they're. They're 22 bikers to 70. Man, when I was a kid, man, I don't like that rap music, but y'all changed. It's, it's <laughs> the most beautiful thing in the world. So what I'm trying to do now, oh, the program director said, man, I would love to see the records that y'all did live. Mm-hmm. So that's what made me say, okay, if I'm going to continue to be me, how do I recreate myself without just bugging out yeah. and doing something People want to see me do that. Yeah, want to see you rap. But they don't want to see me still DJ turntable with a new dude that's not running. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just want to do what um, Rage Against the Machine does every night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Tom yeah. Tom Morello's like, yo, because of you. Um, Travis Barker. Yeah, from Blink-182. Yeah, he yeah. told me, man, not walk this way. He told me, man. When I heard Rockbox, <laughs> and I thought of it, da-na-na. it was he said, man, all the metal kids tell me, man, yeah. I was listening to Metallica, and when we heard Joe, then that's what made us do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to, you know what, here's, here's this easy answer to that. I'm really trying to be the king of rock right now, <laughs> but I want to give a tribute to live music. Sure, sure. Because I love it. Last question. If you had to choose one Run DMC song that stands out like, this is my favorite DMC song, could you do it? Run DMC song? One that pops in your head? It's tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. Like, the face. hard to not say walk this way. 
But Walk This Way was... It's your tune, but it's not your tune. Right. It's your, but it it's, is. It's your tune, but it's, but it's theirs too. Tricky. Yeah. Do you know why I chose Tricky? Why? Because the kids. I was in a supermarket, and the mother, flipping out over me, the daughter probably was like maybe 13, 14 years old. Mommy, mommy, who's that? Leave me alone, Sabrina. Leave me. You know, the mother's flipping over she, the daughter never seen her mother do that. <laughs> mommy, mommy, who's that? Leave, Sabrina, leave me. Then the, the mother yells, run the MC. And the daughter gets this puzzled look on her face. Mommy, who? And the mother just turns to the daughter and goes, it's tricky. White chicks. <laughs> it was <laughs> over. <laughs> the daughter it. pushed the mother out the way. <laughs> oh, my God, Mr. DMC, I love that song. <laughs> so Adam Sandler will not do a movie and not put... Tricky. That's yeah. That's right. These road trips. That's right, man. Movies. They keeping us alive. Run DMC is is iconic. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. And I'll tell you this: last year when we first met uh, at a red carpet event for WrestleMania, it was like a hurricane benefit thing. There was a lot of people there, but the one guy I had to get a picture with was DMC. And I've been excited to have you. I'm glad we were able to do this face to face. New record is Rock Solid. That's uh, DMC's jam. But what? The new single, that's the first single on okay. the new album. The new single now is Static X, Wayne Static. Okay, yeah. You could go to YouTube, see the video. But when the album drops in August, here's the first single. And I'm really going at the Run DMC thing hard. The first single is DMC rapping, Sebastian Bach from Snap Chorus yeah. vocals. Mick Marsh from Motley Crue on guitar <laughs> and Travis Bark on drums. That's a rock and roll that's, super group, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really it. a Motley Crue. Yeah, and, yeah literal. Yeah. And we're looking forward to the DMC comic book. Uh, so much stuff going on, dude. It's been a pleasure to have you no, here. No, it's an honor to sit here. Absolute pleasure. This is like crazy. My son is so jealous. <laughs> he couldn't come because he had to work. You know, he's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I said, yo, I'm doing an interview with Chris today. He's like, what? <laughs> Daddy, please, please get us. I said, no, you got to be responsible, son. <laughs> that's right. Do your work, son. You know, yeah, exactly. But this <laughs> Just is like honor, that. man. My my pleasure, man. Thank, thank you so you much. It's a great opportunity. My, my pleasure, dude. Thank you so much, Dean. Thanks to DMC, Daryl McDaniels of Run DMC. Amazing, amazing guest. What a conversation. I learned so much about rap music and such a cool guy. He came into my hotel room uh, specifically to do that uh, interview after I met him. Uh, I met him years ago, but after I knew he was going to be at the St. Louis Wizard Comic Con. His first issue of his new comic book, DMC, is coming out on October 29th. Go find that. It's available on Amazon and online. Go check it out. It's a great, great book. Also, my new book, The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea, is also out now. Come see me and get a signed copy. I listed the dates where I'm going to be earlier in the show. New York City. Uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey, uh, Staten Island, all the way over to Seattle, Seattle, Dallas, Tampa. If you're around those areas, uh, go back and listen to the show earlier. Hey, listen, I wouldn't be doing uh, all these great things if it wasn't for you. Thanks for following me uh, through Fozzie, through the WWE, reading my books, and listening to this show. And I wouldn't be doing this show at all if not for you guys downloading it twice a week, every week. And if also not for my Sexy Beast sponsors who help us pay for the production costs of doing this for you for free. If you want to help support the show, you know what you got to do. Easiest way is to do your online shopping through my Amazon links. Easy to find. Just go to podcast1.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcasts free 
banner at the top of the page. Eh? Then click on Talk is Jericho, and you see all three of my Amazon links, UK, USA, and Canada. Eh? Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. No extra fees or hidden charges. You're just getting your shopping done, and you're helping me out in the process. Okay, we had Daryl McDaniels on from DMC. Uh, I had much respect for, for what rap is. Didn't really know much about it until we had a guy called Bone Crusher uh, lay down some tracks on a song we did way back in 2005 on the All That Remains album. It was called It's a Lie. And what we wanted to do, Rich and I, is combine uh, a rock singer, a rapper, and a soul singer all in the same song. Bone Crusher came in to the studio, listened to the riff. We had no ideas for him. He listened to it two or three times. He wrote melodies and lyrics on the spot. Then he doubled it on the spot. He was in and out in about 20 minutes, and it was pure genius at work. I want to play this for you all the way back from the All That Remains record. This is It's a Lie featuring Bone Crusher to finish off T.I.J. That you claim to teach Minions never out of reach Propaganda brings See it so now, see it so now See it so now, take them to the pit now See it so now, see it so now I get scarred, throw a bit for the soul now It's a lie I just stop and say Before you get stuck
I love the uh, dichotomy of all the different vocals. Bone Crusher was the man. DMC was the man. And you are the man and the women. Thank you so much for listening to the show. That's it. Another edition of Talk is Jericho. In the meantime and in between times, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. We will see you on Friday. We're going to talk to Justin Roberts, uh, WWE ring announcer, uh, who was just recently let go. And The Miz, we had a, a great conversation, and you are going to love it. And you're going to get a, a hint as to what kind of guy Justin is. He's a very, very cool guy, and I wanted to introduce him to you, the Talk is Jericho fans. You hear all this on Friday. We'll see you then, and a big, yeah, boy! You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastOne.com. <laughs>